We're talking about money. And why are we talking about money? Thank you. I'm glad you asked. We're talking about money because the money in the Bible is mentioned five times more than prayer. Think about that. We think of prayer as like, oh, it's just, that's got to be everything what the Bible's about. No, no, no. Money's in there. There's five times as many verses about money as there is prayer. It's in there more than any verses about heaven and hell combined. It's in 16 of God's parables, of Jesus' parables, when he was downloading the best teaching in the history of mankind, he chose 16 times to talk about money. It's important. It, there's, I don't think any of us in here have to not worry about money. We don't have to deal with money. Uh, every one of us, it's something that's a part of us. It's something that we deal on a daily basis. It's what makes us, because there's so much about money in the scripture, it makes it applicable through thousands and thousands and thousands of years because everyone always has needed some form of money, right? Whether it was a chicken that you were trading or whether it was a cow or whether it was silver or it was called a denarii or it's called a dollar bill, we all had this idea of, I have stuff, and I want more stuff. And I don't want to give you any of my stuff. Right? This is a, a universal truth from when you are about two months old. All right? My Cheerios. <laughs> With twins, this was really fun. Oh, yeah. It's like, Kendall learned really quick what fingernails were. She's like, well, Wolverine. Sink. <laughs> yeah, and the Bowen. It's, it's just what happens. Right? We, we, I like stuff. I want stuff. I want more stuff. It's kind of a universal truth. This is why the scripture talks so much about money because out of all the things that, and gods and, and issues that, that, that uh, come between the love of God, the love of money creeps in there all the time. More than any of these, we think about it, oh, we don't, we don't worship these weird gods of Dagon and all these weird pagan rites and sacrificing babies and doing these kinds of weird things. We don't, we don't struggle with that. Apparently, I don't have to deal with paganism. I don't have to deal with worshiping any other gods but God. However, we can find ourselves really easily worshiping the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ or our savings account really, 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 really quickly. And I wonder if that would have been as odd to someone 10,000 years ago as as practice of Dagon worship is to us. Today's message is on freedom, and it really applies. There's some of you in here right now are probably going, I'm not really struggling with money. That's great. You might be struggling with something else. And some of you, uh, something deep and something personal. And today's message is kind of a, a twofold uh, kind of message. It will apply to, to money all the way through, but it will also deal with spiritual freedom all the way through as well. And so I'm going to try my best to make those connections for you and how they, they parallel each other. I might get a little confused. So if you're like, I don't know what he's talking about, just remember, this can apply either to money or to uh, spirituality and emotions. Okay, so help me out there. I'm going to do my best to make those transitions. But if you get lost, just think, which one does this apply to, money or spirituality? Probably both of them at the same time. But that's where we're going today as we talk about freedom. Because... Um, there's this issue that we probably all deal with, and if you have someone going to college or you've been in college, you know it quite well. It's called debt, all right? And we know we know debt. We know how that works. We have mortgages. We have issues that debt. I have 
the distinct pleasure of having two mortgages. Anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> right? You have, you have debt because I have a house in Georgia and I have a house here. And, and that causes a little stress. Why? Because I have debt that controls where a majority of my money goes. Right? I, that's a fact of life. Just full disclosure w- with me. But, and you guys probably deal with certain things. You have car payments. You have whatever. It, there's money that has to go out. But if there's, that's why there's so much beauty when you have a car paid off. Amen? Right? You don't care if it's a 1978 jalopy. You know, it is paid off. Woo-woo! You know, that's $250, $300 a month that goes to me and not to you. And woo-hoo, Right? The same thing, when you are strapped with paying someone else the money, you have made them lord over you. You are in bondage. You are shackled to them. Right? Chase Bank has a lot of little tethers all over me. Because I guarantee you, if I quit paying my mortgage payment, they will start knocking on my door. Or sending me not nice emails and phone calls. And then other people will show up. Right? Right? Because you all all understand this, and maybe we don't think of that as bondage, but it is. Because they have power over us. At some point, they have power over us, so they are shackling us to that. We have monetary debt. There's something like $20 trillion our country is in debt. And if you don't think that's going to matter at some point, you, you, you lost your brain. That's a lot of money. And if people want that money back, we got an issue, right? we like, oh, it's fine. Just take out a loan. It's like us in, in, uh, when you're in college with student loans. They offer you all kinds of student loans. When you walk onto a college campus at freshman orientation, they're like, oh, take out a credit card. You can have eight of them. Get a free T-shirt because that's going to be worth the interest you're going to pay. <laughs> right? But it said Dodgers, uh, you know said college on it, and all I wanted to do was relive Animal House. Uh, that happens all the time, but we think about it, we're like, oh, um, then you get that bright idea, well, I can't pay for that computer, and I need one, so I'll just take out another student loan. If you go to a college like I did, a private Christian institution, that's a lot of money adding up really, really, really quickly, and then you change your major, and you basically just mortgaged another house. This is what, what happens in life. And if you have a, a kid graduating this year, I'm not trying to give you heart palpitations. I'm just letting you know it is serious and it is real. Because we, like our young people can get so enslaved to debt before they're even f- making a dime. And we have to be very aware of this. We have to be very cognizant of what that means for us. And as we raise kids, as we set them set them out like this is the what's going on when you take that loan yes you want a new car but don't pay for it in student loan money pro tip right there okay we get stuck into debt and i think if we think about that moving away from money we get in debt emotionally and spiritually as well. We let things accumulate around us that start to build chains with it. Maybe it's our self-esteem issues. Maybe it's the lies that we believe about ourselves. Maybe it's stuff that's been done to us. But we, we shackle ourselves to certain issues and we get in debt in a different way. And so there's this parallel going on uh, with that. Now there's this little tidbit of, of uh, wisdom that I received this week that... Um, I think it's hard for us to, to, to break out of. And so I want to share it with you 
but just think about it for a little bit. If you don't like what you're getting, you need to evaluate how you're thinking. If you don't like what you're getting, you need to evaluate how you are thinking. Because a lot of us complain about our present situation. We complain about how bad X is and how terrible this is and how overwhelming that is, but we don't change our thinking. We stay the victim in it, and we don't change our thinking away. How are we going to overcome said issue? How do we break free from that? And so this is how we really got to... There comes a moment where we go from being, oh, uh, 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 to say, I'm going to attack this. I'm going to change this. I'm not okay staying here anymore. Billy Graham said, if a person can get their attitude about money straight, it will straighten out almost every area of their lives. Think about that. 61% of marriages that end in divorce end because of money trouble. 61%. Not that somebody cheated, not that somebody hit, not that somebody did it. They can't get a grip on money. 61%. If we can get freedom over money, we can save our marriages. Money is important because it's so central to how we operate on a daily basis, even on an hourly basis. So it's something that we have to gain control over. The scripture for today that I really want to center in on is Luke chapter 15. It's one of my favorite parables. It's a parable of a prodigal son. There's a young son and an old son. The young son basically says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me money. And he goes off. And so this is it in the scripture. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who set him to be... Sorry hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He has fully gone into depressed mode. He has had everything. He has now lost it. He, has, he had freedom, and then he started letting people put chains on him. What, is this, what does this uh, look like for us? The first thing that he does, and I think that we do as well, is we believe a lie. The lie that he believed is, I can do better than my dad. Every teenage boy and girl has thought the same lie. Like, I can do better than my father. He is not using my, the money that I'm going to inherit well, so it's my money. I want it. I want to have fun with it. I, I want to... Do it. We believe a lie. Satan has one weapon. He lies. And he gets you to believe those lies. They might be that you're not worth enough. You're you're not good enough. That you screwed up. That you're not worth anything. It might be a lie that you're better than you actually are. You're the best. You're the greatest. You deserve it. If you said this week, this hour, this morning, I deserve this. Watch yourself. You don't. (laughs) Sorry. We believe the lie. He lies to you all the time. He's been lying from the beginning. He'll be lying to the end. 
This is how sin enters the world. Satan lies and gets Eve to believe the lie. And this is how it all starts. And it's just repeated over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's done to you over and over and over again. It was done to you this morning. You woke up feeling okay, and then you started believing lies that you're not good enough, that you're not going to be better than this. That, oh, why am I even going to church? And you know that you had those thoughts this morning. Maybe you're in a marriage and you have the thoughts, I deserve better than this. I'm better than them. They, they're lucky that they have me. Don't believe these lies. This is all coming from this idea. I think there's, I want to center on this, this idea of I deserve better than this for just a second. I deserve better than this. Because there's a survey out of a thousand people, I think, that said, um, if, what would you do for $10 million? 25% of the thousand said, I would abandon my family. Just abandon them. 23% of them, almost as much, this is really weird, 23% of them said they would become a prostitute for a week. Think about that. 23% of a thousand, that's a lot, said they would become a prostitute for a week. 10% said they would let a murderer go free. The scary one is the next one. 7% said they would kill a guy. That means like nine of you in this room right now will kill somebody for $10 million. Don't raise your hand. 3% said they would give their kids up for adoption. Some of you are like, oh, take them right now. I don't even need $10 million. Just a willing person. Think about that. For money. For what? For money. Money that probably wouldn't solve a darn thing. The truth is people are self-absorbed and they think they're important. I fall into that trap. I fall into that lie. Proverbs 16, 18 says this. Pride goes before the destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. If you look at the scripture, we were talking about this in Monday night's uh, men's group. If you look at the scripture, every time... The Israel people or somebody, uh, the Hebrew people or somebody in Scripture thinks they're better than they are. They get all too hot to trot. Bad things happen right after that. They start depending on themselves instead of God. And uh-oh, something happens that humbles them. So if you're in this first spot, we're going to go. This is the, just the first level of trouble, right? This is the first area. This is, uh, there's... Different kinds of people in the world. There's people who learn from other people's mistakes and people who learn from their own mistakes. Right? I don't know what degree. I I love to learn from other people's mistakes. This is one of the reasons I love history. I study history because I was like, well, that person was stupid. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's how I am. There's other people in my life who love to learn from their own mistakes. God bless them. Right? And you you may be that person. You may not. It's like this. The fire. Fire. You see fire. You go, huh, that person just burned themselves. Must be hot. Not going to touch it. Then you have the next, this is this level. Oh, hey, it's hot. Got a blister. Not going to do that anymore. Next level is, oh, I put my hand in. Oh, man, I need to go to the hospital. Right? I got to get a skin graft. The third level, which a lot of us find ourselves, oh, it's not going to burn me. I'm just going to go stand and wallow in it for a second and get grafts all over my body. Oh, it's hot. I'm not going to do that anymore. 
We have these different levels, and, and we talk about it like, oh, that's a silly metaphor or whatever for it, but that happens. You can watch somebody get burned alive and go, well, that's not going to happen to me. We all have these different areas where we start to learn from it. So if you're willing to learn from the first one, we believe a lie. Are you believing lies? Now we know we're just early into this. I'm starting to believe. I des- I've said I deserved it this morning. I need to change something. I need to examine something. We can cut it early, and you're going to save yourself a whole bunch of pain. You don't have to have a skin graft yet. All right? Next level is we engage in self-destructive behavior. We engage in self-destructive behavior. He takes his money, believes he can do better than his daddy. What's the next thing he does? He goes and engages in wild living. He basically spends all his money on gambling and prostitutes. He engages in seriously self-destructive behavior, something that might have seemed like a good idea for a second, all of a sudden turns bad really, really quickly. Now, we might not go all the way to gambling and prostitutes, but we engage in self-destructive behavior. You can tell if you're in self-destructive behavior. This is for you, not for the person sitting next to you. Okay? That's important. We engage in self-destructive behavior when we say, I can't help myself. I'll only do it this once. This is just the way I am. When you find yourself in these sentences, you got a problem. You have believed the lie. Proverbs 12, or Proverbs 14, verse 12 in the message says this. There's a way of life that looks harmless, but look again. It leads straight to hell. This is the equivalent of sticking that hand in there. It's not too late. You can turn around. The third level is this. We isolate those uh, we isolate ourselves from those who can help. Our first, I've, I've talked to many people. They find out I'm a pastor. They start treating me weird. I invite them to church, and they say, oh, I can't go to church. i got too many problems. This is the place where you can work on those problems, not like, oh, because last time I checked, none of you are perfect, and I'm not perfect either. Right? We, 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 we have this idea in our head like, oh, I'll get to a certain point, and then I can go to church. That's not how this works. We're all messy people. We're all junky. We've all got issues. But when we're caught in this cycle, we isolate ourselves from those who can actually help us. Sometimes we even run to the people who are just going to exasperate the problem more. Just like this guy, right? Where does he go? Where does he turn for help? He spent all of his money on prostitutes and gambling, and then he goes to a guy who does not care about him at all, and now he's feeding pigs. This is a story to Jews for Jews, which basically means... He's living in the most unclean environment he possibly can. This is the worst of the worst of the worst place he could possibly be. We have chosen to follow people who are not going to help us. We've chosen to be in relationship with people who aren't going to help us come out of this. We isolate ourselves from those who can help. Sentence that might help you identify if you're here. I don't need them. They don't understand me. And the ever popular, I can do it myself. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And finally, 
we find ourselves in a dark place. We find ourselves sometimes in a dark place. This is the epitome. You've gone through this. You've gone through this. The fire was hot, but not hot enough. And you just keep on spinning down and down and down. We do this with money. And we do this emotionally. And then all of a sudden, we found ourselves eating with pigs. We believe the lies about ourselves. We've engaged in self-destructive behavior. We've isolated ourselves from everybody who wants to help us. And we find ourselves in a dark place. Maybe we don't know how to turn. We don't know where to go. We don't. Maybe our addictions have caught up with us. Our, Our spending habits have caught up with us. Whatever's dominating our lives. Some of us have to get to the bottom before we know we need to turn around. And at this point, it's the beauty of Christ. He will reach in and save you when you're believing the lie. He will reach in and save you in the destructive behavior. He will reach in and turn you around when we isolate ourselves. But he'll also reach into whatever pigsty we have found ourselves in and bring us into the light. Psalm 34, 18 says this, The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He sees those who have lost all hope. The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He sees those who have lost all hope. When David writes this psalm, I want to put this in perspective for you. He is being chased by his best friend's dad who is throwing spears at his head. He is running from cave to cave. He has anointed the new king of Israel, yet he is running from cave to cave for his life. And this is what he has to say for himself. The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He sees those who have lost all hope. 1 Corinthians 10.13 message says, All you need to remember is that God will never leave you or let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. To finish this parable, Luke 15, 17. When he came to his senses, this is the, the prodigal son sitting in the pig pit. When he came to his senses, he has this spiritual, aha, eureka moment. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The prodigal does some smart things. He's done a lot of dumb things here, but he's starting to do some smart things. And I think it's the path in which we can set ourselves on financially and emotionally to start riding this ship. The first step is this. He acknowledges the reality of where you are at. Some of us have had our heads in in the sand so long that we don't really know where we're at. We haven't really looked at our checkbook. We just get overwhelmed by the lack of money in that account. 
right? Some of us have, have we're, we just know that we're in a pit. We don't know how deep in the pit we are. We don't really haven't addressed addictions or anything that may have been tearing at our heart. But the first step is to acknowledge the reality of where you're at. The scripture says he can, comes to his senses, right? Huh, I don't know if he just walked out it stinks in here. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't know what that was like. But me and you, we do the same stinking thing. If we looked at our finances and went, it stinks in here. I don't want this anymore. I don't need this stress. I'm yipping and napping and, and every little thing my wife does, I'm just attacking her because of this and that and this, this and this. When the reality is I am underwater so much in my finances that I, 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 I don't know what to do. Acknowledge the reality of where you are. Psalm 51 says, I've been out of step with you for a long time, in the wrong since I, before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Second step on getting into this light, stepping out of this, this danger zone we've been in, of this, of this pit, is this. Get a plan of action. Develop a plan of attack. Develop a plan of attack, right? The guy comes to his senses. He's sitting there and he goes, you know what? I'm going home. This is stupid. His slaves have more food than me. I'm going home. I'm done with it. We need to get to that indignant part. That get, just get indignant with, with Satan and the lies that he tells of our hearts, the way that he detracts us, and the way he, he changes us, and the way that he, he's been lying to us all the time from the beginning. We need to say, no, 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 no. From now on, we're going to have a plan of attack. This is not happening anymore. I'm not, I'm not okay with being up to my eyeballs in debt anymore. I'm pl- getting a plan of attack. First step for that financially is figure out where the money's going. Figure it out. Lay it all down. This is not a fun evening. Go to DaveRamsey.com, print out the budget sheet from resources, and figure out where all your money's going. You've got to dip the piles of bills, and hopefully they're in file folders, and hopefully they're organized. If they're not, guess what your first step is? Figure that out. Where's the money going? If you have no idea where the money's going, then you have no idea how bad or how good it actually is. And here's the deal. When you start looking through that, and you start examining where the money's going, and you see, babe, you're spending $100 a week on Starbucks. Hun, you're spitting $200 at the bar. Well, guess what? You quit drinking things. You just now got $300 a month. You could very easily spend $200 a month at a bar. Easily. And you're just drinking it. You could, personal experience, you can spend $100 a month at Starbucks. <laughs> easily. If you just quit consuming calories in those two easy ways, you've now got a new car payment. You see how that works? Now $300. That's the only thing that you readjust. I'm not, don't, don't take away my iPhone. I just took away your beer. That's all I did. That might be worse than your iPhone. I don't know. <laughs> but you just, you just attack those two simple areas in your life. Now you got $300 to throw at debt. Now you got $300 to throw at the car payment. Now you've paid off a car. Now you've got $600 a month to throw at a new thing. You developed a plan of attack. This is very simple Dave Ramsey stuff. 
I'm not going to go all into that. We will have a small group offered um, in February if this is something that interests you. If you go, no, Jared, I can't wait to February. I want to get on it now. That is fabulous. I will help you figure out how to do that now. Um, so just, uh, you can put that on an offering card. You can just grab my arm. You can send me an email, whatever you'd like, if this is something you really need to be a part of. I talk about this now in October because, guess what? Christmas is coming. You, we go in so stupid debt at Christmas. We spend money on dumb things that we only use for one day of the year, and it's like, I didn't need that at all. It died, right? Or it, it, no one even liked it. Or that fruitcake was terrible. You know, we spend money on it and spend money on it and spend money on it. <laughs> Develop a plan of attack. If you think now in October, Black Friday is coming, Right? If, if, if you develop now, and well, it's November now. If you develop now, this week, I saw my first Christmas uh, commercial last week. I got really mad about that, but that's, that's a side note. If you develop a plan of attack now, you say, babe, we're going to only spend $1,000. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a number. $1,000 on Christmas. That includes grandkids, grandparents, everybody. It's $1,000 on kids, I don't, your, your gift, whatever. It's 1000 bucks. So we can divide that up however we're going to do it, but it's $1,000. We're not spending more. Go to the bank. Get the $1,000 out. Develop, put it in envelopes. This is for Bowen. This is for Kendall. This is for Kelly. This is for Jared. This is for Grandma. This is for Grandpa. This is da, 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 da. We do that, right? When the money's gone in the envelope, you don't take your credit card out. You say, I got to put that back. Waterball's not happy with this. I got to put that back. That's how that works, right? That was self-control. Don't believe the lie, because Satan right there is going to say, well, you deserve it. What are you doing buying your own gift for Christmas anyway? That's a whole nother issue. Guys, go buy your wife's gifts. <laughs> so, but it, you see what I'm saying there? Have the envelope. If the envelope is empty, that means you have to stop. That might mean a whole lot less wrapping. See? Two wins right there. Develop a plan of attack. I joke about it a little bit, but this is serious stuff. Because I'm one, I love to give extravagant gifts. Kelly gives me a budget, and I'm like... <laughs> Right? And she's mad at me Christmas morning because she's got 18 gifts. I got two. She adhered to the budget, and I did not. And this is, this is me. This is the Hauser household. We've got to develop a plan of attack and stick with it. Third thing is do it now. Do it now. Not until you get the Christmas bonus. Not until you, this happens. Not until you're waiting for so-and-so to get a job. Not until you pick up extra hours. Do it now, because if you wait, you will be waiting forever. Do it now. What is, what is the biblical precedent? What does this guy do? He finds, figures out where he's at. Well, I'm in a pig trough. This is all, not very good. He's like, this is stupid. I'm going to go home. Okay, I developed a plan of attack. Then what does he do? He immediately gets up and starts trekking himself home. Do it now. So he got up and went to his father. 2 Corinthians 6.2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. When we deal with our emotional stuff, I want to step back a second because I dealt a lot with money. We got to figure out where we're at emotionally. We got to figure out where we're at spiritually and all the junk that we have there. Second step, we got to develop a plan of attack. Yes, I've been dealing with all this junk. Now I have to deal with it now. I need a plan of attack. What am I going to do? I'm going to engage with God on a daily basis. I'm going to start actually praying. I'm going to start reading the scripture. 
I'm going to change the friends in my life. I'm going to develop this plan of attack. Some of those might be as hard as getting on a budget. The third, do it now. Don't wait until, well, in the new year, I'll start reading the Bible. And we, we do that. We, oh, I'll, I'll start, I can't start a Bible reading plan now. I'll be off and it's just awkward. But yeah, then you'll be done by January 10th and you'll, you'll give up. Start it now. Just go for it, go for it, go for it. Do it now. Humbly, finally, humbly ask your father for help. Humbly ask your father for help. Ben, go ahead and stay down. We're, I'm, I'm talking too much today. Humbly ask your father for help. Now, father being God. Because look at what the guy does. He figures out where he's at. He says, what am I going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home. When am I going to go home? I'm going to go home now. He goes home, and when he sees his daddy, he says, Daddy, I screwed up. Now, his daddy doesn't care. <laughs> his daddy doesn't care at all. His daddy ran to him. His daddy just said, oh, I love you, son, and I miss you so much. It's the same reaction that God the Father has with us when we finally get over our own pride and our own pettiness and turn to him and say, right? It's the same reaction when you have a three-year-old son, and he gets a boo-boo, and he turns at you and looks at you. There is nothing in the world that will stop you from just wrapping him up. It doesn't matter if there's snot coming down or if he's pooped his pants. You will pick him up. And God treats us the same exact way. I know you smell. You've been in a, he's been in a pigsty. You have been in a pigsty. You found yourself in a bad place, and God will run to you when we humbly say, God, you have the answers. And Papa, I need your help. And this is the way of finances, this is the way of spirituality, this is the way of emotional health. Papa, I need you. Daddy, Abba. I love that. That's how Jesus refers to God the Father. He says Abba, which is basically the, the Aramaic word for poppy. <laughs> Daddy. And so right now as we pray, I want to I come with that sort of humility towards God. It's, Daddy, I need help. So everybody bow their head and close their eyes. This morning as we humble ourselves before God as we come before you, Lord. God, I say right now in this place that, Daddy, I need your help. Daddy, I want to surrender my life to you. Daddy, I found myself in some really dark places. I've, I found myself overwhelmed and I found myself believing lies. God, will you break those chains on my heart? God, will you let me turn fully into you? Instead of wallowing in the slop, that I could step into you. Will you clean me and make me new? God, we thank you for your promises that you will never leave us and never forsake us. That you have not given up on us. And God, as we repent, as we, we turn away from the old way of doing things, from the, from the junk in our lives, God, will you help us? Will you hold our hands along these hard steps? God, for many of us in this room, we, we are at a turning point right now. We're at a place right now where we need you in our lives. We need you to facilitate this change. God, will you do a work in our spirit? Will you do a work in our finances? Will you do a work in our emotions. 
We're tired of being in bondage. We're tired of being in a dark place. We want to run home to daddy. God, I thank you for new life. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you allow repentance, that you allow us to turn away from the junk and the stuff. God, I ask you to move in us. That you take our marriages and our relationships to the next level. That you take our parenting, that you take our work ethic to a whole other place. That we can please you in all that we do. Instead of being a wayward son, we are your favorite son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.